In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about Bella's khaki skirt, intriguing backstories, the worst wig award, shoehorning in a throwback, how vampires make good werewolf chew toys, and the need to stop muttering and speak up in our discussion of Eclipse by Stephanie Meyer. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Eclipse by Stephanie Meyer. Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book or watched the movie, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read, listened, or watched and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book or watch the movie, then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. I watched the movie yesterday. I didn't. That's my background I haven't watched the movie... I mean, I've watched the movie a 100,000 billion times, but I haven't watched it in the past month. Yeah, I, I watched it last night. I forced the husband to watch it oh, as well. Oh, forced. You say you forced. Forced. But it was me who was swearing at the TV more than him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my background information. Do you have better? Uh, I mean, I do have some background information from stephaniemeyer.com, from her FAQs. Okay. She's asked, what's the deal with Bella? Just like, what's the deal? That's I'm the end. Dog. What's the deal with Bella? <laughs> I'm so cow. What's can you not tell by oh the time? <laughs> I look a man lion. Are you from Arizona? Aren't you supposed to be like ten? <laughs> Maybe that's why they kicked me out. Um, excuse me. What's the deal with Bella just falling in love with Jacob in the 11th hour of Eclipse? Don't you believe in true love anymore? What happened to blacken your soul, woman? <laughs> Fair question. Well presented. Yes, I really, like, I really appreciated the way the question was asked. So. <laughs> Sounds like something we would know. have to be fair. So her answer to the question is, first of all, let me say I do believe in true love, but I also deeply believe in the complexity, variety, and downright insanity of love. A lucky person loves hundreds of people in their lives, all in different ways. Family love, friendship love, romantic love, all in so many shades and depths. I don't think you lose your ability or right to have true love by loving more than one person. So then she goes on and says a bunch of other things, but I just liked that part about different mm. types of love because we need to learn that. Jacob Black. Mm. We need to learn that, Jacob. This one is my favorite. That's my initial thought. That's a valid lifestyle choice. Mm. <laughs> It is not my favourite. It is my least favourite. When I first read it, I had to put the book down and walk away. Like, literally, just put it on the floor, walk away. And it took me a long time before I could pick up Breaking Dawn after it was published. It took me being off sick two weeks with food poisoning before I could pick it up. I find that very interesting. And I'm curious 
to see what it is that you dislike so much about it compared to what I like like so much about it. I have a feeling it's going to be two completely different things. I think it will be as well. Um, I think that we can delve into this. Uh, this kind of, let's let's pin this section for the start of the discussion because I think that that'll probably be quite interesting. Yes. Um, but yeah. All right. Bella Swan is still grounded from disappearing for three days to stop her vampire boyfriend Edward Cullen from exposing himself in Italy <laughs> and being destroyed <gasps> oh by the Volturi. The ruling family of vampires. While smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie doesn't know about the public exposure, he does know that his daughter disappeared and that she recklessly drove motorcycles and cliff jumped. And now she's grounded. He's decided that he's going to unground her because in his own words, she's amazingly non-whiny. But he wants her to spend time with friends other than Edward, particularly Jacob Black. But Jacob is a werewolf and he hates Edward and Edward hates Jacob just the same. Edward refuses to let Bella spend time with Jacob on account of him being a werewolf, but Bella is insistent. Would you say she's non-whiny about it? No! Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. She's non whiny. Have you met your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> well, other than squabbling about being grounded and spending time with friends, Bella also has to decide where to go to college because graduation is coming soon. She receives an acceptance letter to the University of Alaska, and wouldn't you know it, Edward did too! shocked face Bella is obviously using Alaska as an excuse because she has no plans of going to college at all and instead is planning for her imminent transformation into a vampire which will happen after she graduates Carlisle has agreed to turn her and Edward has too but in order for Edward to do it they have to get married Mm. wait Since smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie has ungrounded Bella, Edward suggests a shopping trip with his sister Alice. Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie doesn't want them going to Seattle because there have been lots of murders there recently. So Edward suggests going to Portland instead, which honestly, in the real world, probs more murders in Portland. That's what I <laughs> thought. I'm I I'm sure I heard somewhere that Portland is like the murder capital of the US or something like it's, that. It, oh, it's pretty it's bad. It's not great. Yeah. Anyway, I, this is a work of fiction. It is. It's got vampires. It it's got werewolves. Yeah, it's a work it's of fine. fiction. You're okay. It only takes three days, three hours to get to Seattle from folks apparently. <laughs> After smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie goes to watch sports, Edward reveals that the murders in Seattle are because of a newborn vampire, and then talk changes from that to werewolves. Jacob and several of his friends on the Quileute Reservation have recently become werewolves, and they say it's because of the Cullens coming back to the area. Edward thinks that Carlisle, you know, his father for all intents and purposes, will find this interesting. 
At school the next day, Bella makes plans for her new freedom and offers to help Angela, one of her only friends that will still speak to her after the sitting in a chair for three months depression stage, address graduation invitations. While they're all chatting at lunch, Alice has a vision that Edward refuses to tell Bella about and purposefully talks about anything other than that for the rest of the day. He even talks to Mike, which is like basically unheard of. Who wants to talk to Mike Newton? (laughs) No one wants to talk to Mike. Mike Newton's parents don't want to talk to Mike Newton. (sighs) After school, Edward reminds Bella that his parents, Carlisle and Esme, bought them plane tickets to visit her mother, Renee, in Florida. And this weekend will be a good weekend to do that since she's newly ungrounded. But she doesn't think that that's going to go over well with Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. It doesn't. He says that Billy Black is planning to have a get-together at La Push, which doesn't go over well with Edward. Everybody's miserable. They decide to go to the Cullen house for a little bit. Then, when Edward drops Bella back off at her house, he goes hunting while Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie has a sex talk with Bella. <laughs> <sighs> Don't worry, Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. Edward is very traditional. And Bella is still very much a virgin. <laughs> After this, just the awkwardest situation so in the world. So bad. Ever. Oh. oh. Bella tries to go to La Push to see Jacob, but Edward has dismantled the engine of her truck. He says she can lock her window if she doesn't want him to stare at her all night that night because she's mad. But she's only mad for like two seconds. So she flings her window open to the elements and gets a terrible cold. I may have made up some of that. (laughs) Somehow, the weekend has passed. It always feels like that in real life, though, so it's fine. This is not the most realistic thing. Yes. (laughs) Bella and Edward are flying back to Washington from Florida, even though we all thought that wasn't going to happen. Renee tries to convince Bella to go to college in Florida, but she refuses. Then Renee has her own awkward conversation with Bella about magnets and gravity that's really about Edward and Bella. Bella distracts Renee from this conversation by dangling something shiny in front of her face. (laughs) Actually, they talk about mystery books, but it's super condescending. And then the weekend is over and they're back and forth. It's a good thing that they're only gone for three days because Jacob has been freaking out since they left. Even though he refuses to talk to Bella, he's been calling non-stop. Bella calls him back and he asks if she's going to school the next day. Uh, yeah, you know, gotta graduate. Jacob is at school, waiting on Bella when she gets there and is a very menacing giant in his tight, tight black t-shirt leaning against his black motorcycle. Jacob, he actually wanted to see Edward, not Bella, to warn him about the Cullen family coming into Quillet territory. Wait, What? What has happened over this weekend? Mm, apparently, Victoria, evil red-headed vampire with a nonsensical vengeance against Edward, was back in the area over the weekend, which is why Alice had a vision and why Edward took Bella to Florida. 
The Cullens and the werewolves tried to get her, but she evaded everyone again, and Edward's brother Emmett may have crossed the boundary and may have gotten into a fight with werewolf Paul. Bella gets mad about not knowing that Victoria was back around, but then the principal comes by and breaks up the potential fight between Edward and Jacob that all the other students were making bets over. In class, after having found out that Victoria is back, Bella freaks out and scribbles notes to Edward about how they should just change her because it's clearly too dangerous for her to still be human. But he's like, nah, one vampire is nothing. We can take her. Really? Later, Edward goes hunting and Bella is supposed to go to work at Mike Newton's store, but you know, they don't need her. So she decides she's going to sneak away to visit Jacob. Even though he's happy to see her, he's also mad because she just forgave Edward for abandoning her and allowing her to sit in a chair for three months depression. Bella tries to explain that Edward left because he thought her life would be better, which, let's face it, it kind of was, but he came back, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> Jacob is sure that if Edward had not come back, he and Bella would be happy together, and he's probably, like, 97 <laughs> possibly, maybe? <laughs> I think it depends who you talk to. She probs wouldn't be being constantly chased and wanted to be murdered by vampires. So there's at least that. But the Victoria situation still wouldn't be resolved. But the werewolves Victoria could take care of it. Together. And also, you know what? We can't get into it right now. Because then we're just going to talk about the things that we don't need to mm. talk about until it's discussion time. No. And we're going to forget about the summary. We are. Uh, summary yes. Okay. Um, so, after this kind of awkward conversation, it gets even more awkward. Yay. Jacob tells Bella about what's been going on in La Push. His friend Quill finally became a werewolf, so that's good. Or, well, it's good for him and most of the others, except for Jacob and the pack leader Sam. They don't really like being werewolves, especially Sam, because of what being a werewolf made him do. Mm. Scratch up his girlfriend's face. Yeah, being a werewolf made him yeah. do that. Bella thinks immediately... That that is what Jacob is referring to when Sam wolfed out and, you know, mangled Emily's face. But no, he's actually talking about imprinting, which is what it's called when you have werewolf insta-love. Oh! <laughs> Sam used to date another member of the tribe, Leah Clearwater, but then he saw her cousin Emily and bam, imprint. Bella asks if Jacob has imprinted on anyone with a great big gulp and sweaty palms. But luckily, he hasn't. When Bella leaves La Push, headed for Angela's house to help her with her graduation invitations, as soon as she's out of the reservation and across the vampire-slash-werewolf border, Edward drives up behind her. He, like, stalkily follows her to Angela's, and Bella seems literally terrified of how upset he will be that she went to see Jacob. When she gets to Angela's house, Edward drives on. 
Bella and Angela have a nice human afternoon talking about college and jealous boyfriends and Bella seems to begin to regret her decision to become a vampire right after graduation. When she gets back home later, of course Edward is already in her room and is seething and full of wrath. She tells Bella that she almost made him break the treaty to rescue her from the wolves. Bella gets mad and declares that she is Switzerland and that vampires and werewolves don't matter to her. I am Switzerland. Since Bella disappeared to La Push and Edward was a creep about it, he didn't go hunting as was his plan, so he has to go again. Bella, of course, decides to sneak around and go to La Push again, but Edward bribes Alice with a Porsche, like the one she stole in Italy, to babysit slash kidnap slash hold Bella hostage whenever he has to go away. It's very extreme, and Bella hates it. The Cullens claim it is to keep her safe, but she doesn't think that a vampire slumber party is any less safe than hanging out with a pack of teenage werewolves. We question her opposition to a vampire slumber party. As Bella is sulking on the couch in Edward's room that has been remodeled to hold a king-size bed just for her, Rosalie comes in and asks to tell Bella her human story in hopes of convincing her that her desire to become a vampire is the wrong decision. Rosalie explains that she was the most beautiful woman and she was courted by the wealthiest and most eligible bachelor. But even more than being the prettiest, richest young woman in town, which, yes, she would definitely want it. She also wanted to have babies like her poor best friend. As she walked home from her poor best friend's house, her fiancé, Royce, and his sleazy, drunken pals raped her and left her for dead. Carlisle came across her almost lifeless body, decided to turn her in hopes that she would make a good companion for Edward. Yeah, that didn't work out. But she did don a wedding dress and slaughter all of the men who raped her, saving Royce for last, because it would be more fun that way. Even though things didn't turn out how she wanted, at least now she has Emmett. Though she still wishes that she could have had babies and grown old with someone. She wants that life of Bella, even though that's not at all what Bella wants. Don't we know by now <sighs> that nobody cares what Bella wants? Not even Bella! Nobody. Bella doesn't give two shits <laughs> about what she wants. What does Bella want? Nobody asks how or what Bella. No. <laughs> At school the next day, Jacob rides up on his motorcycle and helps Bella flee her captors. Alice sees through the window of the cafeteria and is upset at the thought of losing her bribe Porsche because she let her prisoner escape. But what's she gonna do? She can't go to the push. Oh well. When they get to the... she just drives around in a Porsche for a while. <laughs> when they get That's to the beach at La Push, Jacob tells Bella about Quill imprinting with a two-year-old, mm. babysitting to mm. best friend to lover. It's mm. perfect. Creepy. <laughs> 
It's perfectly creepy. After this, talk changes to the possibility of Jacob imprinting and how that's not going to happen because of his obsession with Bella. But she's not interested in that, you know, because she's going to be a vampire in just a few weeks. This crushes Jacob and he tells her that he would rather her be dead than be a vampire. Bella leaves in a huff, riding her motorcycle to the Cullen house. When Bella arrives, she finds that no vampires are mad about her departure. So that's good. She and Edward curl up in the king-size bed and start to make out. Bella thinks that Edward is going to give up being a virgin. But no. Sex is too dangerous. Or, you know, as everyone insists, he could just let her be on top and they could enjoy each other in ways without intercourse. But no! We are strictly avoiding all sexual health lessons again. Abstinence is the only way! (laughs) (sighs) Or, or, as my husband kept saying yesterday whilst we were watching the movie, bloody Mormons. Yep. And accurate. There you go. Accurate. (laughs) Even though Edward and Bella remain virgins. (laughs) Edward, it just seems so stupid. <laughs> Sorry. If you want to remain a virgin, you remain a virgin. It's your choice. But these two obviously do not. <laughs> anyway. Edward decides to let go one of the other things he's been keeping Bella from. He allows her to spend time with Jacob, but like, now she kind of doesn't want to because Jacob said he'd rather her be dead than be what she wants to be. <laughs> wow, he's a, such a supportive friend. When Bella goes home from the vampire slumber party, Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie tells her that Jacob called to apologize. She doesn't care. Bella goes to her room and discovers that someone has been in there and that some things are missing. But she just assumed that Alice must have tidied up when she came to get her slumber party stuff. Luckily, Edward gets there soon and realizes that an unknown vampire stranger has been in her room. After talking with Alice, they don't think it's Victoria, so Edward assumes it's someone from the Volturi. He decides to call a meeting. The rest of the Cullens also decide that it must be the Volturi because a stranger probably wouldn't have left Smoking Hot Billy Bark slash Charlie alive. Bella thinks they're after her because she's still human, but Edward thinks they're after his whole family. Later, Jacob calls again, and Bella agrees to speak to him. She grudgingly accepts his apologies, and then Edward asks to talk to him about the intruder. They decide to loosen the treaty lines a little bit so they can both search, and then Jacob agrees to come over to catch the scent. Jacob suggests that Bella and Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie would be safer if they spent all their extra time at the push, surrounded by wolves, when Edward's not around. When Jacob arrives at Bella's, Edward leaves. An easy truce is set, and Bella and Jacob talk about her becoming a vampire again. As one does, Jacob squeezes a knife when he thinks about the transformation. (laughs) Obviously. But he heals before Bella's eyes. When Edward gets back, Jacob asks Edward to let Bella come to a werewolf bonfire. And then he leaves. When Edward got back, he brought with him an acceptance letter to Dartmouth. 
which has to have resulted from a bribe. So she refuses to go to school there and insists on keeping up with the ruse of going to the University of Alaska. Edward wants Bella to consider spending more time as a human, but then they go to her bedroom where she realizes stuff that she thought was misplaced the other day has completely gone missing. They agree that the vampire who came snooping took her items to track her scent. They also discuss the newborn vampire situation in Seattle and how it's getting exponentially worse because it seems like it's an army of newborns, not just one, and that maybe the Volturi will come investigate. If they come to Seattle, what's stopping them from coming to Forks? It's only, it's only three, three hours away. <laughs> <laughs> really like to imagine Jane and Felix like on the ferry (laughs) (sighs) Bella suggests the werewolf bonfire and Edward agrees to let her attend as long as he can drive her to the treaty line he breathes on Bella's hair before letting her go which you know grosses Jake about but he finds it hilarious (laughs) All the werewolves are at the werewolf bonfire, plus Sue, Clearwater, and her teenage children, Leah, who is Sam's former love before the imprint, and Seth, who is a little bit younger than everyone else. Sue took her husband, Harry's place as tribe elder after he died from a heart attack in the new moon. After they eat approximately a thousand hot dogs, Billy begins to tell the story of the tribe's history. It will be the first time several of the wolves will hear it, I know that it's actually true. The Quileute tribe were not always werewolves, but instead they were spirit warriors. They had the ability to leave their bodies and battle intruders using the elements and some animals to attack their foes. The chief, Takaaki, led the spirit warriors well, but one day a power-hungry warrior, Utlapa, stole Takaaki's body when he was out in his spirit form. Then he killed his former body with Takaaki's hands. Utlapa, as Takaaki, then began to lead the tribe and forbade them from using their spirit forms ever again. Takaaki, now a bodiless spirit, asked a wolf to share his body with him. As the wolf, Takaaki visited his tribe, and when Ulapa killed one of the best warriors, Takaaki wolf transformed into Takaaki human spirit form and killed Ulapa. From then on, all of Takaaki's children would also have the ability to become wolves, leading to the current werewolves sitting around the bonfire right now eating too many hot dogs. <laughs> and with not enough buns. After this story, another tribal elder, Old Quill, tells the story of the third wife versus the cold ones. Some time has passed and Takaaki is an old man. He stopped transforming into a wolf and has aged with his imprinted wife. Their sons are the werewolf guardians of the tribe and things are going well. Then people start disappearing. The werewolves investigate and discover a cold one, aka a vampire, killing people. The werewolves learn to fight the vampires by tearing them to pieces and burning the remains. One day, a vampire lady comes to the village and kills, you know, pretty much everyone, including the werewolves. Takaaki's wife, aka the third wife, sees her sons die, and Takaaki transforms one final time to attack the vampire. The third wife sees as her husband is about to die too. 
so she stabs herself in the heart to distract the vampire. Takaaki plus their young sons, who just transformed, kill the vampire. Takaaki never returns to human form after that. Bella is enthralled with the human sacrifice part of the story. Sometime later, the Cullens come to town, and Carlisle promises the tribal elder, Ephraim Black, that his vampire family will not bite any humans, so they create the treaty that still exists. I really love all of these history stories. It's the best thing about that's the book. Why I, <gasps> skip that's why I skip. I know that's why I love it so much. A little while after the werewolf bonfire, Alice plans to throw a graduation party, even though there's lots of terrible things potentially happening, like the newborn vampire army decimating Seattle and the Volturi swinging by for a visit. Bella is shocked to realize that graduation is only one week away and begins to doubt her desire to be transformed immediately afterward. Of course, Edward is super excited that Bella's getting scared, but he doesn't want to turn her just because she's afraid of the newborns and the Volturi. Bella kind of thinks that Edward doesn't want to change her because she won't be soft and squishy anymore, but he doesn't care about that. Then, talks changes to them getting married, which Bella is still against because she doesn't want to be one of those girls who gets knocked up and married right after high school. In Edward's time, that's what people did, and he appreciates their tradition and tells Bella again that if she wants him to change her, not Carlisle or Alice, she has to marry him. Ugh. (laughs) Later that night, they learn that the newborn army is getting wildly out of control. Now? <laughs> After... So Edward decides that they need to talk newborn army strategy with Jasper. He tells Bella the story of him being turned into a vampire during the Civil War. A vampire called Benito decided to create an army of newborns to take over more territory so he could feed whenever he wanted. The newborns are super strong in their first year, but they're not very talented, so he used them to take out other vampire clans and didn't care whether they lived or died. Soon, other vampires started doing the same thing, so there was a vampire wars all over the place, so the Volturi stepped in. One day, a vampire named Mariah decided she wanted to take over land once conquered by Benito, so she created her own army. She and her two friends saw young human confederate soldier Jasper and turned him. Then they realised he had emotional manipulation control and used him to train newborn vampire recruits. After a long time doing this, Jasper started to hate himself, so he left Mariah and found Alice, and then they found the rest of the (sighs) Now, Jasper thinks they need to take out the newborn army in Seattle before the Volturi step in, but Edward thinks the Volturi might be responsible. The rest of the family don't really think that's true. They decide that if they're going to try to fight an army, they're going to need assistance. So they call up their vampire friends in Alaska to see if they will help. Nah. One of them was in love with Laurent and is mad about the werewolves killing him because he was going to kill Bella. So the entire Denali clan declines Carlyle's request for help. Hmm. Who should we ask for help? Who should we ask for help defeating the vampires? Who should it be? Edward needs to go hunting, so he takes Bella to La Push. In retaliation, probably for the hair breathing from the last drop-off, 
Jacob starts thinking saucy things about Bella because he knows Edward is going to be listening in on his thoughts. Jacob and Bella go to his house because he's super exhausted. It turns out the rest of the werewolves don't care to keep Bella as suffocatingly safe as Jacob does, so he's been watching her house every night in addition to trying to hunt the vampire that came to her room. Bella invites Jacob to the graduation party, even though he's a werewolf and it's at a vampire's house, so he's, like, not super interested in going. Then he takes a nap. Mm. Mm. While Jacob is resting, Bella decides that she's going to marry Edward. And then Jacob wakes up and declares his love for her. Yeah, It's awkward and it's painful because he kisses her and she punches him in the face, breaking her hand. <laughs> Can I just, that's my favorite scene from the movie. It's my favorite scene. It's the most emotion I've seen out of Christmas. It's Day. poorly acted for sure. It's terrible. a thousand times. But there's a change in the facial yes, expression. A little bit of a change. <laughs> Jacob takes Bella home, where smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie is pretty unperturbed by Jacob forcing himself on his daughter. But then Edward arrives and threatens to break Jacob's jaw if he ever kisses Bella again. Jacob is determined that Bella loves him too and asks what will happen if Bella wants him to kiss her. If that's the case, Edward won't object, but he won't just let Bella go easily. Edward then takes Bella to see Carlisle so he can fix her hand. Jasper and Emmett are delighted that Bella punched Jacob and decide to place bets on how many people she'll kill when she's a newborn vampire. <laughs> Bella worries that she's going to become a bloodthirsty monster who doesn't want to do anything but eight people, which makes her think that she might not want to give up being a human just yet. She's got some... things... she wants to do... before becoming a monster. She's got some Edward she wants to do before becoming a monster. Scandalous. <laughs> Soon enough, it's time for graduation. Since the vampire intruder stole some of Bella's clothes, Alice gives her an outfit to wear to the ceremony. Now, are you sure Alice did not steal all potential graduation-appropriate outfits so she could then provide something she for her She probably did. I feel like Alice is always trying to give Bella clothes because Bella keeps insisting on wearing that one fucking khaki skirt <laughs> with everything every day with every outfit. It's that one fucking long khaki skirt. <laughs> and Alice is like, no, stop it. I mean, that long fucking khaki skirt is... All Alice has done is put it in the wash. <laughs> it's sitting in the washing machine because, dang, it needs it a wash. Wash that goddamn shirt and skirt better. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> for some reason, Bella decides that the intruder is part of the newborn army and they are after her and were created to kill her, not the Cullen family. Alice agrees, but they decide not to tell Edward until after graduation and the party. To keep Edward from reading her mind, Alice translates the battle hymn of the Republic to Arabic and then Korean sign <laughs> language, which is freaking it's delightful. Hilarious. The ceremony goes well, but Bella decides to tell Edward before the party about her thoughts. He almost goes bonkers in the graduation auditorium, but manages not to flip out. He does immediately live, leave, though, 
but that's fine because Morgan Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie has plans to take Bella out to dinner to celebrate before the party at the Cullens. Before he drops Bella off at the party, he tells her that he's proud of her and is sorry that he's not been the best dad. Mm. Aww, sure mm. you have Morgan Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. There's a few hiccups that I will point out, but sure you have. Mm. The party at the Cullens' house is insane. Alice has, of course, gone all out with the decorations and nearly everyone from school is there. Bella's not into parties and she just wants to end, especially when she finds out that no other vampire clans are going to help them fight the newborns. Soon enough, Jacob and his werewolf buddies, Quill and Embry, arrive at the party. Bella was sure Jacob wasn't going to come because, you know, she punched him in the face the last time she saw him, but here he is. He gives her a tiny curved wolf bracelet as a graduation gift and apologizes. She forgives him, but then her attention turns to Alice, who's just had a vision. They go to investigate. Alice reveals that she saw the newborn army coming to Forks for Bella, which is bad for everyone. Well, almost everyone. Jacob and his werewolf buddies are excited that they'll have a chance to kill some vampires, so they agree to team up. Jasper sets up a meeting after the party to teach his family and the werewolves about fighting the newborns. Everyone is excited about the team up because they're pretty sure they're not going to have any trouble at all taking out the army. But Bella's worried about everyone's safety. She then remembers that Victoria wants to kill her too. And then she realises that she's probably the one pulling all the strings. Edward doesn't think so though. Fringe. This... You know when two plus two equals four and not three billion and eight? Yeah, uh-huh. Victoria plus newborn army equals coming after Bella. <sighs> but remember what we said at the beginning. No one ever listens to Bella. No one cares what Bella no thinks, not even Bella. She could have gotten into Dartmouth without a bride, I'm sure. <laughs> This... Listen, if Jessica can be valedictorian... She's... I was about movie... to say, she's not, though. It was Eric. In the movie, if Jessica can be valedictorian... <laughs> Bella can get it done. <sighs> if Eric can be valedictorian in the book, Bella can get it done. Carry on. Carry on. The strategy meeting goes pretty well, and the Cullens are surprised that there are ten werewolves in attendance. They refuse to turn into their human forms, but Edward translates for them, and they all watch the vampires fight each other and learn tactics. Afterward, the werewolves sniff all the Cullens, and then Jacob transforms so he and Edward can discuss where they're going to hide Bella to keep her safe away from the fray. They decide that she's going to create a false trail to lead the newborns to the Cullens and the werewolves, who will be waiting to ambush them in the meadow where Edward wore his sleeveless white unbuttoned button-down shirt. <laughs> Jacob will then carry her elsewhere, concealing her human scent with his dog smell. It sounds like a great plan. <laughs> Though Jasper suggests it would be super distracting to the newborns if Bella was there, just in the middle of it, standing there, you know, bleeding human blood. In her khaki skirt. <laughs> in her khaki skirt. It'll be really stinky, her khaki skirt as well. What's going to be more stinky, her khaki skirt or blood? 
Oh, or Jacob's dog smell. <laughs> Edward <laughs> and Jacob Dina. shoot this idea down immediately. The next day, Bella tells Edward she wants to help in the battle and that she likes Jasper's idea of having her there as a distraction. Edward assures her they don't need her help because it's going to be a super easy fight. Well, she suggests, if it's going to be so super easy, then he should just stay out of fight with her. She tells him that if he doesn't, she'll convince Seth, tiny baby werewolf, who has been assigned Bella guarding duties during the battle, to let her leave. But Seth wouldn't do that. If Jacob commands him to stay, stay, he has to listen, because Jacob is second in command of the tribe. Wait, what? Edward agrees to stay with her during the fight, but doesn't say anything about Jacob. To keep Spoken Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie safe during the battle, they tell him that the Cullens minus Alice are going camping and that Alice wants Bella to keep her company, so he should hang out in La Push with Billy Black while Bella is away. Instead of this, all the Cullens minus Edward go hunting and get ready for war, and he and Bella stay behind in his king-size bed. Edward gives Bella a family heirloom to add to her tiny wolf bracelet, a crystal heart aka a huge fucking diamond and then she tries to have sex with him he turns her down again swearing that they'll do it all the time when she's less breakable she's not into that though because she's sure all she's gonna want to do is eat everyone and she won't even be thinking about banging edward anymore he finally relents and says that they'll try to have sex at least once before he turns her into a vampire. But remember, in order for him to turn her, they have to be married. Though she wants to do him now, she finally agrees. Edward gets down on one knee and properly proposes, giving Bella his mother's ring. They plan, currently, right this moment, to elope in Vegas. The next day is the battle and Alice warns Bella and Edward that she's seen that it's going to be snowing where they're going to be hiding in the mountains, so they need to take coats and stuff with them. She's also seen that Edward and Bella are going to elope, so, you know, she guilt trips Bella into letting her plan the wedding instead. Fine, Alice, whatever. Well, I did like the idea of her wearing sweats <laughs> to a Las Vegas drive through Yeah, that would have been great. Jacob arrives soon to the dog smell <laughs> in the snowy mountains and we're all very thankful he doesn't just pee on her they talk along the way about the kiss but Bella hasn't even thought about it Jacob thinks Bella likes him better when he's a wolf because she doesn't have to pretend that she doesn't love him when he's like that but no she assures him that she likes him better in wolf home because he can't talk and I agree <laughs> Bella then tells Jacob that she convinced Edward to stay with her during the fight, which leads to her asking him about being second in command. He explains that he should actually be chief of the tribe and head werewolf, because if you remember, he's actually double werewolf, and he's also the son of former werewolf chief Ephraim Black. He didn't want to be the chief, though, because he doesn't like being a wolf very much, and Sam's already been leading everyone so well. So, like, shrug. Eh. Eh. Pass. 
It's great for your CV, though, Jacob. Jeez. Think about the future. <laughs> they make it to the tent, and Jacob decides to stay with them overnight and switches places with Seth in the morning. It's a good thing he decided to stay because a huge snowstorm blows in and Edward was not as prepared for the cold weather as he should have been. Edward and Jacob think they should leave because Frail Bella can't handle the cold, but she declines, saying that they will have wasted all their dog smell and break trails. As the night gets colder and colder, Jacob convinces Edward that he should snuggle up with Bella to keep her alive. Nice and toasty. Bella can finally go to sleep. While Bella is drifting off, Edward asks Jacob to keep his sexy Bella thoughts to himself, and Jacob agrees if they can have a conversation. Edward admits that he's just being nice to Jacob for Bella's sake, because if he forces her to choose between the two of them, she'll get mad and pick Jacob. (laughs) Then he tells Jacob that he wants Bella to stay human, and that, really? Jacob is better for her than he is. But he'll always be there watching if that happens. And we know how good he is at standing in bedroom corners, staring at people. He also says if they weren't enemies, they might be friends. Nah. Nah, dog. Nah, dog. Nah, dog. The next morning, Bella and Edward chat about their top ten moments together while Jacob leaves to join the fight. Edward mentions one of his favourites was when Bella agreed to marry him. And Wolf, Jacob using his wolf hearing, overhears and howls in anguish. Hmm. Bella realises that Edward knew Jacob was listening, so she gets pissed. Edward offers to go get Jacob and bring him back so Bella can apologise and explain. She tells him that soon enough she'll be out of his life as a vampire and he'll leave town and never come back. Jacob instead says he plans to die in battle so she won't have to worry about him anymore unless she asks him to kiss her. She agrees. And though it's awkward at first, this kiss soon deepens and Bella realises that she loves Jacob too. Edward comes back as Jacob happily trots away and is replaced by Seth. And Bella confesses that she loves Jacob, but that she loves Edward more. He knows this already and is perfectly fine with it. The battle soon begins, and Edward uses Seth's connection with the pack to narrate what happens. Everything goes super well, until it doesn't, of course. Victoria shows up and has Riley, a newborn vampire, with her. Smugly terrified, Bella realizes she was right. Victoria was behind (laughs) everything all along and created an army just to kill her. Edward be- That's gotta be a compliment, really. Being smugly terrified? (laughs) <laughs> oh, having an army created just to murder Oh, you. yeah, okay. That's massive. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You really want me to die that much? Oh, my God. Oh, special. I just don't know what to do with all of these people. Oh, my God. Where will I put them? <laughs> Are they all going to wear my khaki skirt? Oh, I'm going to have to re-gift some of them, because I won't be able to look after them all. Oh, yes. <laughs> Edward begins fighting Victoria, while Seth takes on Riley, and Bella watches, petrified with horror. 
The fight seems to be going in Edward and Seth's favor, but then Riley punches Seth and he flies away, whimpering in pain. Bella, thinking that Seth's gonna die, and then Edward is gonna die, and then she's gonna die, decides to third wife herself with a rock. She's just about to cut her arm open and gasps, which distracts Victoria and Riley long enough for their fight to be over. Seth bites Riley into tiny pieces, and Victoria plans to run, but Edward catches her and swiftly removes her head. They set the corpses on fire and leave to meet up with everyone else. <gasps> the new army is defeated, but there is more trouble looming. The Volturi are on their way. Bella also learns that while everyone she loves is alive, Jacob got hurt badly trying to rescue Leah, who was getting squeezed by a vampire. That's not good, but we can't worry about that now because the Volturi will be arriving any minute. Alice counts down to her arrival. While they wait, Bella realises that there is an extra vampire in the meadow. Where did you come hmm. from? Ooh. A young newborn called Bree surrendered to Carlisle, so they plan to help her transition into their vegetarian ways. All Bree wants to do right now uh, is eat Bella, which makes Bella worry that that's what she's going to be like when she's turned. No time to worry, though, because Jane and Felix of the Volturi have just arrived. They don't know about the werewolves and are super impressed that the Cullens killed an entire army plus Victoria all by themselves. Jane is surprised to see that Bella is there and still human, so she reminds them of their promise. Then she tries to do a little bit of torturing with her mind just for funsies, but it still doesn't work. Before Jane and Felix leave, they kill Bree. What if short second life is oh, going Oh, indeed. Perhaps we shall read about it. <laughs> Bella desperately wants to see Jacob, but she still has to keep up the pretense of staying with Alice for the weekend. She's also still freaked out by seeing Bree and thinking that all she's going to want to do forever is kill people. But Alice thinks the transition might be different for Bella because she's choosing to become a vampire. Mmm. Mmm. I think she's seen something. When the fake camping trip is over and Bella gets to go home, Smokatot Billy Burke slash Charlie tells her that the weekend in La Push was weird and there were wolves howling all over the place. <laughs> then he tells her that he saw Carlisle and Edward visiting with Jacob, who had a bad motorcycle accident. Mm. This changes his opinion of Edward just a little bit. Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie, clever as he is, tells Bella that he feels like a change is coming and asks her to tell him before she decides to run away with Edward. She promises that she will. Finally, Bella gets a visit with Jacob. He's in horrible pain and hopped up on morphine because Carlisle had to break all the bones on one half of his body to set them all correctly because he kept healing too quickly. Jacob is miffed about Edward not being mad about the kiss they shared, but he finally agrees to let her go, even though they both know that if Edward wasn't around, they would be soulmates. Alas, this that is not to be. Bella tells Jacob that she and Edward are getting married soon and that he's going to change her afterwards. He vows to wait for her forever, maybe even after she's a vampire. <gasps> 
(gasps) Bella spends that night sobbing in Edward's arms. He's a little worried that she's made a terrible decision, but she assures him she's made the correct choice for her. After crying literally all night long, the next day, she's perfectly fine. (laughs) They go see Alice, who shows Bella her wedding dress that she's already designed for her. When? How? What? It's Alice. Don't question (laughs) Alice. Even though she already knew it would happen, Alice is super excited when Bella asks her to be her maid of honor. Later, back in the sleeveless white unbuttoned button-down shirt meadow, (laughs) Edward and Bella set a date for their elaborate Alice-planned wedding, August 13th, one month before her 19th birthday. They start making out, and then, surprising everyone, Edward suggests that they have sex, and, surprising everyone even more, Bella turns him down. (laughs) She puts on her engagement ring, and they decide to go tell smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie that they're gonna get married. (laughs) The final bit of the book is from Jacob's point of view. He's distraught about Bella becoming a vampire, and, since all the werewolves' brains are connected, all the rest of the wolves are upset too. Leah also, the sperm lover, tells Jacob to just get over it and suggests that they might get lucky and Bella might not survive the transition. Yay! Billy gives Jacob his invitation to the wedding and he runs away, transforms into a wolf and disappears into the woods. (laughs) Can... Oh, we gotta take a break because I have to tell you my most favourite things about this summary and about this book but we gotta take a break first so everyone go and listen to this promo from another podcast and then come back immediately because i have things that i have to say there are words i need to come out of our mouths that will be nonsensical but at the same time appropriate these days more authors are including mental health content in their books but do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is or Do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Are we back? We are back. Okay. So, this was your favourite book. (laughs) This is my favourite book. And this was my least favorite yes. but let's start with you okay so firstly i just have to say that i really love <laughs> that i was once again able to shoehorn in the sleeveless white unbuttoned button shirt meadow <laughs> not once but twice <laughs> we love a throwback (laughs) i love it i'm just so glad that i was able to fit it in because the sleeveless white unbuttoned button down shirt is my favorite thing of the entire book series (laughs) so anyway to the actual book this one is this one is my favorite 
because of the histories not because of any of the fucking shit with jacob and edward i don't i don't care at all but i love the history stories that's why i love um half-blood prince so much from the harry potter series because there's a lot of history and a lot of backstory and a lot of stuff that you don't know and that you never would have any reason to know like it's not part of the actual story but it kind of is so that's that's why i love it so much yeah it's my favorite parts too the rosalie's jaspers the quilliet stories yeah Yeah, i adored those that's what i want more of yes but like i guess something else that i that i appreciate from the books that's different from the movie is that jacob while while we're very annoyed at how you know he forces himself on bella i i appreciate at the end you know he doesn't like start sulking and crying when she says that she's gonna get married and he's just like okay okay i'm sorry but turning into a wolf and disappearing into the wilderness for a while is not sulking are you telling me that is not i mean when is the ultimate no i mean when they're together and she tells him right there. Yes, he runs off and is a baby about it. But right there, like in the movie, he's like, oh, oh God. But he's just like, okay. Okay. Every time in the movie, Jacob spoke. And was I, I just kept saying, oh, fuck off, man. Literally every single time Jacob spoke in the movie, I just was telling him to fuck off because it was driving me insane. So the reason I hated the book, this is my least favorite. I didn't hate it because I love love Rosalie's story. Well, I love the last half. Right. The rip-roaring rampage of revenge. Yes. And I love Jasper's story, but that's because I adore Jasper. You know, you get a bit of a draw. So, The reason I find Eclipse so difficult is the uber gaslighting. Oh, God. I know. It's just so bad. It's... Right. I don't... You'll The last time I made notes, this, exces, this excessive, quote-unquote, was when we read Ever After. Is it Ever After? Just After. after. after just after yeah. that that shit that was book. terrible that terrible book where i was literally walking around newcastle city center going from university to the the the, the metro and had to stop and ke- and just rant on a notepad <laughs> I, I took pictures that. and posted on the patreon well i was actually listening to this while i was working the other day and i was working from home and i had the house to myself so i had the audio book blaring loud but I did have a document open, so every now and again I was going and raging on a document just to get it yeah. out. I deleted most of it because I tried to make some coherent sentences. Sure. But I literally went through the book and got the snippets out of each of the quotes that really just drove me insane. No, share some. You want I some? I do. This, this, this is because... This is why I don't like Jacob so much. Mm. This book emphasizes why I do not like him so much. And I understand what you're saying at the end of the book when 
Bella turns around and says, no, I'm getting married to Edward. He's like, right, okay, walks off and then goes and has his own private sulk. But throughout the book, he is forcing himself. Maybe not physically all the time, Mm. but he's forcing himself. And to me, he's the kind of guy who would find out, be friends with a girl, text her, trying to hook up with her. And she's like, no, we're just friends. I don't love you like that. We are just friends. I'll hang, but it's not a date. And by the end of the conversation, he's calling her a fucking whore and a bitch. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And it's just... Oh, I'm sure. That's, that is what Jacob is like yeah. for me. So he's in. he insults her. And the way it's done is not nice. He's like talking about the senses. Your senses are too dull. And the next line is, I let that pass. Mm, Yeah. So she knows she's been insulted. How could anyone not be aware of your physicality, Jacob? I demanded. You're an enormous monster who refuses to respect anyone else's personal space. His voice turned acidic. Are you sure you want me to come back or do you really want me to die? That I hated that. I hated that part. And I, I appreciated, even though Edward was pretty much doing the exact same thing, I appreciated that after Bella kisses Jacob and then she tells Edward and he's like, yeah, whatever. But you know... He just said that so you would kiss him, right? Like, he wasn't actually just going to go and sacrifice himself in front of everyone. And she's like, oh, really? (laughs) She doesn't realize she's being manipulated. He's manipulating. Oh, yeah, but Edward was doing it all the time, too. It's constant. Well, yeah. Um. He was too strong to recognise that my hands, trying to yank his hair out by the roots, meant to cause him pain. Instead of anger, he imagined passion. Yeah, it's gross. He thought I was finally responding to nope, him. No, gross. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> he is, oh, here you go. He isn't manipulating me. Yes, he is. When are you going to wake up and realise that he's not as perfect as you think he is? At least he didn't threaten to kill himself to make me kiss him, I snapped. As soon as the words were out of my mouth, I flushed with chagrin. Yep. Um. <laughs> Edward is the only person I've ever kissed. Besides me. But I don't count that as a kiss, Jacob. I think it was more of a, an assault. Yeah, that's not okay. It's not okay. Stop it! And added to that, I lose a bit of respect. I lose some respect for smoking hot Billy Burke slash. Charlie. Yeah, I did hate that he was like, "Oh, you, you tried to kiss I her." I got pulled as well. So the section is here. Charlie Jacob answered casually, pausing. I stalked in, or stalked on into the kitchen. What's wrong with her? Charlie wondered. She thinks she broke her hand, I heard Jacob tell him. I went to the freezer and pulled out a tray of ice cubes. How did she do that? As my father, I thought Charlie ought to sound a bit less amused and a bit more concerned. Jacob laughed. She hit me. Charlie laughed too, and I scowled while I beat the tray against the edge of the sink. The ice scattered inside the basin, and I grabbed a handful with my good hand and wrapped the cubes in the dishcloth on the counter. Why did she hit you? Because I kissed her, Jacob said, unashamed. Good for you, kid, Charlie congratulated him. Yeah. I felt 
at times physically sick at what I was hearing because because it was my least favourite of the books it's the one I've only ever probably read once yeah. maybe twice so I don't remember the specifics and I was listening to this and I was feeling physically sick at the way that Jacob treats Bella with so little respect yeah. and then Charlie <laughs> jumping in and showing no respect for his daughter and no sense of protection he is the sheriff and you cannot tell me in his entire life and professional life as well he's never come across a situation where there's been a sexual assault and that makes me i know this is fiction but considering what the world is right now that makes me concerned and thinking is he laughing and brushing off these the, the people who are coming forward yeah. does this mean that if something somebody was to be hurt in forks they wouldn't go to the police you know who someone who so far in the series we've respected it, it genuinely worries me and it's because yes it is a work of fiction but you've got to apply some of this you know vampires and werewolves to one side to the fact that this has happened in the world yeah and it's and it's terrifying and i honestly and then when you think about it in relation to rosalie's story where she was gang raped yeah almost left for dead and you think back when rosalie this happened to rosalie there was no recourse she would have got if she'd gone to the police nothing, nothing would at have all would have happened all. you're right but in modern society they, they should have thrown the book at him yeah you know and it just really worried me and i just thought i just i got really concerned and this so this eclipse for me is very much a book of two halves where i have these wonderful backstories and the horrible you know what happened to rosalie is grotesque yes. but then the way she's like i was a bit theatrical back then <sighs> because she gets dressed up in a wedding dress and then murders everybody <laughs> Mwah. poetry poetry rosalie love it and Jasper's story is devastating as well. It's hard. Because imagine how many years he was forced, forced with air quotes, or participated in training these newborns who uh, recruited, and again, in air quotes, you know, con- definitely conscripted, and then killed them before the end of the year, if they were survived to that point. How many vampires has jasper killed it's got to be hundreds oh if not more than that yeah if not more so yeah i found i found this an interesting re-listen and as it stands because of this vomit inducing gaslighting it still stands as possibly my least favorite i think i like twilight because I can read it and it's done. It's like a one and done. That's story. why you should but like New Moon Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. You've got to read. That's them why you should like Life and Death. Because yes. then it's over. <laughs> that's <laughs> the death. end. The end. Exactly. Essentially, that's what should have happened. But yeah, so I had to come 
with receipts to this because I know there's going to be people out there going, oh, but Jacob, oh, Jacob. No. Nah, dog. Nah, dog. Nah, Nah, dog. dog. And yes, Edward is might still be my favourite out of the two, but I'm team Alice and team Jasper all the way. And he is is he's guilty of not listening to Bella, of belittling her, especially her, you know, insight. You know, hello, they're after me. It's Victoria is the newborn. Can, can, can you not see the map? Um, but at the same time, Edward does turn around and say, "Well, if she wants you, I'll step away." Yes, I'll. You know, yeah. he seems to have more more respect for Bella's physical space than what Jacob ever does. Yeah. Um, and you cannot blame the werewolf on that. While I don't necessarily appreciate how, like, what happened and and what was said and all of that stuff, I do appreciate that Edward realised that he was being so overprotective and, like, not letting Bella out of his sight, not letting Bella go to LaPush. I appreciated the fact that he was finally like, okay, no, you can go and, and be with your friend. But I, like, I hate the way it happened. I hate everything about mm-hmm. it, but I'm glad that it did happen, that he that he finally realized, like, no, I'm, I'm being literally crazy. So she should get to go and hang out with her friend. I I hated the imprisonment of Bella. And I don't know why she's with would be with either of them, frankly. No. I find it's it's very odd. I think it's like my main attraction to Edward is the vampire. Yes. You know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> the end. The end. Um, but yeah, I'm totally with you there, and it's just I don't know. It just I was I was I was quite conscious because I told you before that Eclipse was my least right. favorite, but I couldn't I couldn't remember why. <laughs> well, now um, you know. <laughs> but now I yeah. know, and it really just just upsets me that we have all this brilliant backstory and great filler for the the history and background mm-hmm. of the characters that we love yeah. tied up in this mess yeah it, it's uh, annoying um <laughs> what i did though would laugh there was a bit where um edward turns to bella and he's like i dismembered and burned a body you know you should be repulsed by me uh uh it's like dude you freaking kicked ass yeah. in a fight. Yeah. That shit's hot. Yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> like, is. Get the sleeveless button down open shirt on. We're about to do the nasty. Let's get to the medal, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that um I I liked that fight scene with Edward and Seth working together and like Obviously, Edward can read Seth's mind, so he knows that Seth was faking being hurt just so he could trick oh, Riley. Like, but then Bella's like, I've got a third wife myself. I've got a third wife myself. 
She just needs to sacrifice herself, doesn't she? <gasps> yes. She just... She should have... She should have done. She should have done that. And I know that she was, like, gonna scrape her arm with the rock or whatever, and that's what she actually does. She actually does do that in the movie. But she doesn't actually break her skin in the book. And it's her <gasps> gasp that distracts everyone momentarily long enough for Edward to pull Victoria's head off <laughs> while Seth is slowly dismembering Riley in the background. I think, I think... Like a chew toy. I know, I think what I really, really loved in that fight scene, Edward is fighting Victoria and like, you know, you're a little bit worried at some points that, like, oh, Victoria's going to get the upper hand or whatever. And then, all of a sudden, an arm comes flying over from the side and it hits her in the face. Or whatever, wherever it does, but it's Riley's arm just flying through the air. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And he's going to need that little bit. But I also mm. enjoyed the fact that uh, in... In this scene and, you know, in the Quileute stories, when the vampires get dismembered, <laughs> their body parts are like, oh, I gotta get back together. And, like, their arms are crawling their way, you know, back to their bodies. Yes. I uh, I really enjoy that part. But I like, well, I was... I like that Seth dismembers Riley in the background and just shards are coming off. The for that's really good as well, isn't yeah. it? Like. And what I thought was really cool, you don't really realize, you know, they're describing the vampires as being as hard as marble mm -hmm. and as cold. It's when the arm is pulled off and Seth does pull it off and you see the jagged mess and it does just look like the crystal underneath. Mm -hmm. And I quite like that. I thought, oh, that's it's quite an interesting way to do the anatomy, but at the same time, it's a bit odd. Um, You know, whatever. Yeah. Um. But I did, I did really enjoy that scene. Yeah. Still don't know why it's Bryce Dallas Howard, but you know. In the worst wig. I believe, hands down, worst wig of the series goes to Bryce Dallas Howard. You think? Oh, I'm still. That's my stomach. That was really loud. No, I give it to Bryce Dallas Howard. It's the biggest, puffiest, stupidest looking wig. It looks really fierce. It's huge. It's. It doesn't move. It's like Captain Janeway on Enterprise, how her hair never moved in all of the seasons. Yeah, it's the worst wig. I award her worst Riley, wig of the series. I love you, I love you Riley. Uh, yeah. No, she doesn't. Think about it, mate. Nah. Nah, dog. Nah, dog. You know, the thing is, like, you know how Bella's like, oh, all I'm going to want blood for the first year. I'm sorry, but do you know what a vampire stereotype is? Blood, it's fucking. Yeah. You know what? If you that's know? if all you want to do is eat people, eat people while you're fucking. Yeah. I've read that erotic. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, it's I wanted to say something about the the fight, and then we started talking about the worst wigs ever, the worst the worst wig ever award. Um. In the movie, I I like the sound effects that they add whenever the vampires are being dismembered. It's like 
Oh, the cracking, the cracking like ice breaking, just kind of kind of squeaky sound a little bit. I really like that. Yeah, Sam, Sam, really appreciate that as yeah. well. It's very good. Yeah, um, it's amazing how much is missed out in the movie because the books, there's a lot going on in the book. Like, there's a lot of back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And I think I probably would have liked a bit more of a training montage in the movie. Yeah, instead of just the Was one the time. Because they, they meet and strategize several times. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would have appreciated that a lot more. Yeah. Um, I also like the fact that Billy Black lets Carlisle onto the reservation to help Jacob. Yes. Yeah. That's a... Big, big deal. Capital B, capital yes. D, exclamation That is big point. deal, TM. Can we talk about the, the werewolf creation itself? Yes, I would love to talk about that. That was one of my favorite things from the book is the Quileute stories. I know I already said the histories were my favorite, but the Quileute histories in particular were, that was fantastic. And, you know, you don't see that in the movie. You only see the third wifing story. Yes. You don't see that the Quileutes used to be spirit warriors and they would leave their bodies and they could, like, control the winds and murder people as wind. That's <laughs> so cool. And then, you know, they, they talk about sharing bodies after... After Takaaki's body gets killed by Utlapa, and then Utlapa is inside Takaaki's body, and he's like, well, fuck, I'm just a spirit now, so I guess I'm just gonna float around. And then he finally gets <laughs> so, like, desperate to be in a body again. He's like, hey, wolf, let's just share some space, okay? And he's like, okay. Um, but, uh, but I really, <laughs> I really, really like that. It makes me a little sad that... He's sharing this body, and then that wolf, I mean, like, I, I would say that that wolf essentially loses its wolfness with Takaaki's spirit inside when he becomes, when he transforms into spirit form. Because mm. then when he goes back into wolf form, like, it's just him in the wolf. Where Where's the wolf? Where's the wolf brain? Oh, you know, they just meld together i yeah. guess but i thought that that was really cool that his that takaaki's like rage at seeing his entire tribe being ruined by ulapa manifests a human body from a wolf body i thought it was amazing such a good story yeah, it's, it's it's probably one of the points where you actually, if you listen to the audiobook, you stop and listen to it properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really, really good. But my question is, we've got this really in-depth, brilliant stories, history of how they became werewolves in the first place. But a lot of the time, in, at least the impression I get in you know twilight and new moon is that they're talking about the world well specifically new moon when the werewolves are properly introduced they're talking about the werewolves are the result of the vampires or the core ones coming to that area mm -hmm. but the they seem to blame the cullens more particularly but the cullens have been living in on and off in forks 
for decades. Yeah, you know? see... It's their primary residence. But before Jacob and like that generation turned into werewolves, it was his grandfather. So the Cullens have been in the area for that period of time for quite some time. But they're always like, no, it's the Cullens, it's the Cullens. Or at least Jacob's always implying that it's the Cullens doing it. Yeah. And that's what stimulated, you know, ten werewolves to be... See, what I think, and that this isn't explained very well, and it's just what I've pieced together in my head to make it make sense, is that when Carlisle was there with uh, Ephraim, and when he was there in Ephraim's time, the family was much smaller then. So there were werewolves. They mentioned that there were only before ever like three or four wolves at a time. So when they were there the first time, or not not the first time, but this most recent time with Ephraim Black, it was just a few of them. And then they leave. And in, in my head, to make it better, they've only been back for like maybe the beginning of that school year. Because Bella, in Twilight, starts school in, like, March or something. So it's very near the end of that school year. So in my head, to make it make more sense, the Cullens have only recently returned, like, the beginning of that school year. So they actually haven't been there for that long, but long enough for Sam, who is the oldest... To have transformed. But he's he's the oldest one. So he would, of course, transform first. So do you think Sam transformed pretty much when the Cullens returned? Or a little bit after? Because we're not really given any time scale for that. Yes. You just find out that Sam is there and he's got his mates. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that Sam transformed first because he's a few years older than everyone else. And, like, Jacob and all his pals are all, like, 15 when Twilight starts. But Sam is a few years older. Like, I think he's mentioned, like, like, 21 or something. So he's not that old. So I think that he transformed first when the Cullens came back and the Cullens haven't been there for very long. Maybe it was, maybe not the beginning of the school year. Maybe they were there, you know, the summer before school started or something. But I can't imagine them being there for that long. The house is awfully modern and well lived in for them to have only just come back. This is what my thing is. It's like, okay, so you're telling me that the made this deal like in the 20s 1910s something like that with Ephraim Black and they lived there for a little bit but then they've moved away for 70 years yeah I think so because they have to move away after a little bit of time every time because like they say in this one like they say in New Moon when they're abandoning Bella like Carlisle does not look 30 but he's telling everyone that he's 30 so they have to leave and they leave for a couple of generations and then they come back yeah uh it's difficult to add up on my brain a well i agree with what you're saying can i tell you it seems to be the most logical can can i just remind you that it takes three hours to get to seattle 
Alice said she was going to drive them in her Porsche to L.A. in one night. Time doesn't well, this make is, this, sense. This is Alice driving. It doesn't matter. <laughs> there is no actual thought in to time and how long no. it takes to do things in this series. No, it's... I don't know. I don't, I, am I too finicky? You might I feel be. Like I'm too finicky. You might be. Because I acknowledge that I'm looking up Seattle on the text to get from Seattle to Los Angeles. Uh, Forks. You need to go from Forks. 25 hours. They're driving that in one night. Well, if you go from it to Seattle, it's only 18. In a car, by Google Maps, go from Forks, Washington to Los Angeles. It's tw- 19 hours to 17 minutes, according to Google Maps. Not possible to do. Or there's another one that takes you 21 hours and 50 minutes. From Seattle or from Forks? Because I have it pulled up right from now. Forks. 25 hours. From Forks. Forks, Washington. Los Angeles, California. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, regardless, it's ridiculous. It, it's impossible. It's physically impossible. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is, I'm just being a bit too finicky, but I can suspend my belief in realism, you know, with the werewolves and the vampires and stuff. But if you're going to add in time frames for places, if you're going to try and build it in the real world, then you need to have some consideration for that real you world. Do. And if you you need to kind of like... Even if it's just a subtle throwaway comment, it needs to be realistic. You can't say that Seattle's like three hours away when it's not. It's a day no. away plus a ferry And ride. I hate it. You can't say Remember how much I hated talking about this in the first exactly. one? You can't go to LA in a Porsche in a day. It's ridiculous. It's stupid to do it right. So I think having an understanding, especially when, especially when you changing people into werewolves against the wills based on the fact there's vampires living in the area i think a little bit of clarity about how that whole situation works would be beneficial because otherwise it's like the cullens are there so you've got ephraim when the cullens first get to washington then you've got them now okay so you've got two instances so then before that, there's at least another two instances of where the vampires have come, where the you know the original cold one and then the vengeance took place. So and even then that's like essentially within cons- two consecutive generations, ages ago. So between a few hundred years ago to then Ephraim Black to then Jacob Black, they're the only werewolves that have been. Do you see what I can't get my head around that that history. I can't get my head around the Twilight history of it. And I don't like that. I like it to be a little bit more... You, do you... I don't need exposition. I don't need to be no. spoon-fed. But I like the, like the history. Yeah. I like things to be understandable. There definitely has to be some suspension of disbelief. Oh, well, yeah. And I will. I do. But I also want to understand how this is all going on. Like, I want to, I want to, I would like to have had some kind of throwaway comment from the Cullens to understand how long they've been there now. Yeah. You know, 
Oh, we haven't been in the area since 1921. You know, I want that. It, it doesn't take a lot. Well, there was a adding those little tidbits. There was a line in Twilight the movie where Jacob says that, like, that he's talking about the Cullens being in the area and how they, you know, they're not welcome there, whatever. And Bella's like, well, the Cullens just moved here. And he says, or did they just move back? So there is the idea that they have not been in the area for long. Yeah. But I don't want to take the movie as canon. That's the thing. Anywho, that's my, that's my, huh? Blonde yes. moment for the week. Yes. Well. Shall we move on? Sure. To what? The other character? Jasper. Yes. Jasper 100% is my favorite character in this one. Completely agree. Yeah. Although, if we have to talk about the movie a little bit in this case, Jasper, it is it is discovered that Jasper is from Texas in this book. And so in the movies, he suddenly has a very southern accent in this one. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Like, you know, dude, you've lived all over the place for several decades. You can lose your twang a little bit. It's okay. I think Lala's likes it. So anyway, that's something that always kind of bothered me. That like, oh, he's he's all of a sudden Southern now. <laughs> Jasper. In the movies, he barely spoke in the first time. I know. He just kind of stood there with his eyes really wide, looking like he needed to poo. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, I've got lines? <gasps> I've got a whole story? Wow. I do like the scene in the movie, which is, you know, it's less fun because in the book, Jasper and Emmett are taking bets to um, Bella's first year's a vampire in the kills yeah. in the movie it's just Emma and he's like what happened she's like punched a werewolf in the face he's like yeah, yeah. alright so you know for a fact that when she gets turned into a vampire the first thing Emma's gonna be like wrestle me I liked That's that funny. scene in the movie where he's like oh did you walk and chew gum again at the same time and she's like no punch a werewolf in the face but still it's like oh yeah Badass. You know Emmett loves Bella. Yeah. He 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 loves the fact that she's just falling out over all over the place. Like she's complete clutch. Yeah. I really like how much Emmett likes Bella. Emmett's a simple guy. If you're a jerk face, he'll not like you. Yeah. You've got to give I think with Emmett, you've got to give him a reason not to like you. Yeah. I think so too. So I guess probably Jasper and Emmett are my favorites in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Did Do you remember any surprises? Uh, yeah, I was about to ask you the same thing. I had completely <laughs> forgotten that Edwards broke his resolve and was like, yeah, let's have sex in the sleeveless white unbuttoned button-down shirt meadow. I completely <laughs> forgotten about that. And then Bella's like, nah, I'm gonna keep my virtue. 
I had completely forgotten all about that. Yeah, I hadn't remembered that either. Yeah. My surprise, though, it's just Charlie not saying anything to Jacob when he assaulted his daughter. Like, she nearly broke a freaking hand to get him off. And you you don't say anything. Yeah, I didn't mind it as much as you did. I'm really pissed off. But I I did enjoy until, you know, it goes it goes one step too far. But he's not at all shocked that Bella is injured, which is fine, because as we know, she tripped and fell into a hammer and she has injured herself. Uh, on a variety of occasions in a variety of ways so I, at first she walks into a room and she yes. hurts herself so at first i don't mind that he's like what did you do now you know why That's fine. why are, That's you fine. know oh you you hurt your hand ha <laughs> but then when jacob's like yeah I kissed her and he's like woo dude mm Honestly, nah, that's it. I don't mind. It's it's when you find out, when he finds out that the reason why, and he's basically fist bumping yeah. Jacob and giving him a pat on the back and saying, "Well done, son. Nah, yeah. Welcome to the family." Yeah, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. Is it time? Is it time for Would You Rather it's now? T- it's time. I think it's definitely time. <laughs> okay, so we asked on social media. Would you place a bet on Edward or Jacob in a fist fight? I like that it's not really a would you rather. But it's a very good question. Yes. Well, on Facebook, 56% said Edward. On Instagram, 56% said Jacob. On Twitter, 67% said Edward. And on TikTok, 63% said Edward. So Edward's winning. Edward is winning. And let's get to the comments. Katrina on Facebook said, I'm team Jacob all the way, so I'm obviously going to back him in a fight. Colin on Facebook says, To be fair, so long as they pound each other to a bloody pulp, I couldn't give Satan's flying shit who wins. So, I've got an answer. I'll say Edward wins because he has the skin of a killer. The skin of a killer, Bella! (laughs) Drew on Facebook said, Edward all the way. He has the skin of a killer, like Colin said, and he can read Jacob's thoughts and beat him easy. Bree on Facebook originally said Jacob, but after rereading the book, as much as she'd still root for Jake in a one-on-one, Edward would win because of mind-reading powers, annoying levels of self-control, and the most deciding factor, life experience. Nice. Carl on Facebook said, this is the age-old question, isn't it? Edward, you always have to go with the vampire. Of course you do. Heart. Because all vampires, all the time. Exactly. Annie on Facebook agrees with Colin and said she'd only read chapter one and she can't even with all this angsty. We must be together 24-7 with soulmates. She goes with Edward because... Agreeing with another comment, glittery skin of a killer, plus he can read thoughts. Amanda Linton on Instagram said, Team Jacob, all day. 
Lindsay Clare on Instagram said, Here's the thing. Edward reads minds, so he'll know everything and always win. I'm Team Edward for Bella, and in this case. I always liked Jacob as a crush until he imprinted on Nessie, which is still weird to this day. Meyer just had to tie everything up with a neat little bow at the end. Did she though? Did she though? Did she have to do that? Ruth Kenost on Instagram said, Granting they're, that they're both experienced and talented, I think Edward's conscience is more out of control, which would make him an ambivalent about winning. So, Jacob, unless Bella was in danger, then it's 50-50. Ty Puritz author on Instagram says, Jacob for sure. Besides Edward's mind reading, he's known for his speed, not his strength. Now, Jacob or Emmett would be a different story. And on TikTok, Justin R. Cartledge said, Because he's Batman. <laughs> I have <sighs> We had some good library comments this time. Okay. One person is voting for Jacob because they like how he looks. One <sighs> is betting on Edward because Jacob needs to be put in his place for imprinting on a baby. Gross. Agreed. Hardly. One person is rooting for the shapeshifter always. One says, Edward, I guess. The vampires seem faster than the wolves and could just get behind Jacob with super speed and snap his neck, right? And then they added a little bit later, I realized I neglected to see the word fistfight. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, someone else chooses Jacob, but only because they are on Team Shark Boy. <laughs> oh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. God, I haven't seen that in years. Oh, tiny, tiny baby Taylor Lautner. Oh, he's ugly. And fun fact, he hasn't grown an inch. He has not. He made that movie. He has not. He has not. He has not grown to immense proportions slowly throughout (sighs) the text of the novel. Oh, in the book as well, he does say, I am physically a 25 year old now so i'm older than you bella yes so he's like yeah, yeah. no dude you are a child but you, just you know muscles. we know that edward his brain stopped aging thanks to midnight sun so it seems reasonable that the werewolves brains can be fast forwarded if edwards can be paused jacobs can be fast forwarded Maturity, though. Mm. Debate for another time, I think. Anywho, fist fight, Edward, Jacob. It's Team Edward, because all vampires all, vampires all, the, time. all the time. Why do we even but ask also, these questions? Exactly. If you want a reason, Edward, one, vampire, two, smarter, three, reads Jacob's mind, four, uses uh, his life experience, like Bree said, would work. I think Edward can have better control on his emotions than what Jacob can because Jacob's a fucking child and he would use that to his advantage. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All vampires all the time. Cool. Next question. (laughs) Would you rather go to a vampire slumber party or a werewolf bonfire? Vampire slumber party. Okay. No, look it. (laughs) 
What if it was just a slumber party or a bonfire? Because we can't include the word vampire. Because if we include the ver- the word vampire, then that is our choice. Always. But then it makes it harder to answer. <laughs> it depends who I'm having the slumber party with. Alice. And the bonfire with. Alice, I'm going to the slumber party because I love, I love Alice. But you don't want to eat a thousand hot dogs at the bonfire? Not really. No. I do. I love a hot dog cooked mind. over a fire. I, I've never had a hot dog cooked over what? a fire. What? Add that to the Arkansas I'm bucket British, list. They come out of a tan. Add that Fine. to the Arkansas bucket list. I'm doing it. Bucket. What if it was... What if it was uh, a... Eat a hot dog cooked over a fire. What if it was a graduation party or the bonfire? Bonfire. Hot dogs. I feel like I just want to eat a hot dog right now. So I think I'm going to pick the bonfire. Also, I really... We don't do graduation over here, by the way. We don't... When when, when I was at school, we don't do... We didn't do proms and we didn't do graduations. And they've started to do proms now. Yeah. Um, And... the two graduations from nursery, like kindergarten, which is just weird because you can't graduate from that. I know. I hate that. On. I hate that so much. I don't it's think so it's freaking... cute. I don't think it's precious. I think it's fucking stupid. Yeah, I'm not into that. No. We did have a graduation ball after I did my bachelor's degree. And <laughs> vampire related. I had a friend at the time who were with and Okay, bearing in mind we were 21 and we were drunk at this ball because they were giving us free wine and at 21, wine gets you drunk quick. And she was hammered. Absolutely hammered. And we were on the dance floor and we're dancing away just like, oh, we're like vampires. <laughs> that is a great and to story. this day, I think about it and I just laughing i I haven't seen this girl in like 20 years or something i don't know a long long time but every time i think about that i just start laughing my head off and i just oh we're like vampires <laughs> i'm like girl you are drunk let's go to the toilet <laughs> Get some water on your face and then let's get some water down your throat. Oh, so funny. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, memories. Would you rather be a spirit warrior or a werewolf? Spirit warrior. I I love that part of the story so much, but I I like uh, that not only did they, you know, murder people with wind, but they also convinced a swarm of bats to murder people. So, like, if I can do that with my spirit powers, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that was really kick-ass. Yeah. Did they go out on the boats as well? Yeah, and they, like, the people who were attacking them were out there on the sea, and they're like, nah, wind. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, spirit warrior. It's just, it's... Less uncomfortable hair and more Batman. Yeah, and less dog smell. 
Yes. Yes. All right. Is it time for secret questions? Secret questions. All right. My secret question. (laughs) Would you rather get turned down for premarital sex in the king-sized bed or in the sleeveless white unbuttoned-down shirt meadow? (laughs) Oh, well... I'm going to say turn down in a king size bed because you know the sleeveless white unbuttoned button down shirt in a meadow is just it's hot. the sexiest thing it's, that's it, ever it's existed. Insatiable. <laughs> oh my god. You're white? Buttoned down? It's unbuttoned? Oh, and it's sleeveless. <gasps> to choose the sleeveless white unbuttoned button-down shirt meadow just so I can continue to constantly say sleeveless white unbuttoned button-down shirt. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things. That's the only reason why I'm choosing it. To say sleeveless white unbuttoned button-down shirt. You know we've never said you have to have a sensible reason for picking anything. No, no. We get to choose. You ready for my secret I question? I am. Would you... Right, you, you are Bella, okay? okay. You have to be I Bella in this scenario. Bella. You are Bella. Would you rather have the sex talk with Charlie or tell Charlie you're getting married this summer? Oh, I'm telling him I'm getting married for sure. Definitely. I do not want to have that awkward as fuck conversation with smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. <laughs> Not happening. Mm-mm. No, I can't handle it. I cannot handle it. It is so cringe. It's just, it's made of cringe. I can't. It was so bad in the movie as well, like. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, I, I do not want to have the sex talk with Morgan Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. No. Um, Nobody wants to do that. What I think is I'll have the plan with Edward. He'll be like, right, we're going to go to the house. We're going to get my dad outside onto the porch. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell him and then you're going to scoop me up and just run. Yeah. You know, you got to have that skip plan in place. Yes. Yeah, you've got you got to make that plan, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because the sex talk was so cringe. Oh, it's so mm-mm. hate it. And this, it's like, dad already had it with mom, and she's the one who gives her mum the sex talk. Yeah, I really, I really don't like the way Bella treats Renee. At all. What, like a freaking child? Yes. It's because she is a freaking child. She is a freaking child. But 
Bella needs to get away. Bella needs to be away from her. <laughs> and so yes, I'm glad. The best thing for both of them yeah. is Bella going to Yeah, Fox. maybe she can grow up a little bit. Renee, not mm. Bella. Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, Bella's never going to grow up. No, she's going to be always 18. Yes, she's going to be always that trashy person that she doesn't want to be getting married and knocked up right after high school. I think she should get married in the carpet skirt. I think that she should too. I'm really upset with Alice for designing her wedding dress and the fact that it is not khaki. (sighs) Alice, let us down. It was about to happen. It was going to happen. All right. Favorite final thought quote. Well, do we not have an update? <laughs> and God, it's dreadful. We need our murmurs. We need our mutters. We need our grimace. Okay. So, we're going to... Let's start with grimace. In this book, we had 28 grimaces. And now, we have 64 total. Ooh. Okay. Um... <laughs> Jesus Christ. In this book, the murmur count was 95. What? And so now we... That's freaking insane. Now we are up to 171 murmurs. Oh my God. And in this book, there were 104 mutters bringing no. the total to 211 that's almost half of all the mutters in this book they're muttering all the fucking time oh speak up speak up <laughs> <laughs> oh. for all that is unholy speak oh, up yep so I told everyone, I told everyone at the beginning, and no one believed me that it was as terrible as it is. I did. But I think it is actually worse than we could conceive. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a favourite final thought quote? I'm going to give you four. Okay. You are bizarrely moral for a vampire. (laughs) Anyone who can cuss with that kind of energy is going to recover. (laughs) We don't make exceptions, she said, and we don't give second chances. It's bad for our reputation. (laughs) Thanks, Jane. (laughs) And this one is Rosalie when she's talking to Bella, and I just kind of, I just like it. You know, my record is almost as clean as Carlisle's, she told me. Better than Esme. A thousand times better than Edward. I've never tasted human blood, she announced proudly. She understood my puzzled expression as I wondered why her record was only almost as clean. I did murder five humans, she told me in a complacent tone. (laughs) Plus two more because they were guards. Right, she forgot about them. They don't even count. That's a bit further down the paragraph. Yeah, they don't even count. More concise. 
But yeah. <sighs> so now I'm like, ooh, Esme, I need a kill count. I know, we need Esme's history too. Nobody can be as clean as Carlisle. No. <laughs> what quotes have you got? Well, as I have done every other time, I have to use the title quote. The clouds I can handle, but I can't fight with an eclipse. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you know, sometimes when we're recording, like, you know, obviously you, you, we record late at night for me and at a meal time for yeah. you. So it's not, you know, optimal energy no. times. And sometimes you just feel like your brain's just firing <laughs> crazy pills. I honestly, I, I'm starting to be like, is it me or is it the writing? <laughs> it's the writing. I, I... It's the writing. Listen to this one. I don't care who's a vampire and who's a werewolf. That's irrelevant. You are Jacob and he is Edward and I am Bella. Like, no fucking shit. <laughs> I hate it. Tree. <laughs> it's so much. Okay, um, let's see. I think we have to say a vampire slumber party is the pinnacle of safety conscious behavior. We also have to say I punched a werewolf in the face. And then finally, because also I always make fun of this as well. Don't worry about the bloodsucker, Jacob suggested, and his tone was smug. He's just jealous. Of course I am. Edward's voice was velvet again, under control, a musical murmur in the darkness. Oh! Damn. That was a twofer. I know. I know. Remember in the last one, I just revert to him as velvet the whole time. Velvet voice. Angry velvet. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Alright. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? I don't know anymore. Uh, okay. I'm starting to struggle with vampire books. I know. Yep. Same. <laughs> I was going to go for a Molly Harper werewolf one just because it's set in Alaska and there's naked werewolves and stuff sure. and it's quite fun. Mm-hmm. But I think I've already done it before. Um, so I'm going to go for The Coldest Girl in Cold Town by Holly Black. Okay. It came up on the vampire lists. Yes. But it does not use the V word. No. I've read this one now. It's pretty fun. Tanya lives in a world where walled cities called cold towns exist. In them, quarantine monsters and humans mingle in a decadently bloody mix of predator and prey. The only problem is, once you pass through Cold Town's gates, you can never leave. One morning after a perfectly ordinary party, Tanya wakes up surrounded by corpses. We've all been there. The only other survivors of this massacre are her exasperatingly endearing ex-boyfriend, infected and on the edge and a mysterious boy burdened with a terrible secret shaken and determined tanya enters a race against the clock to save the three of them the only way she knows how by going straight to the wicked 
opulent heart of Cool Town itself. <laughs> the coldest girl in Cool Town has a wholly original story of rage and revenge, of guilt and horror and love and loathing from best-selling acclaimed author Holly Black. It sounded quite interesting. Yeah. It sounds like it's a one-book deal as well, which is intriguing. Yes, yes. We love a, a singular vampire book. Yes. What have you got? Mine's not a singular vampire book. And like you oh. said, I'm struggling to find vampire recommendations. But I discovered this one today, scouring the internet. It's called Vampire Beach. <laughs> That's the series. And then the first book is called oh, Bloodlust. I... Yes, I have read the below for this before. Yes. yes. It's by Alex Duvall. Jason Freeman is stoked when his family relocates to exclusive Devere Heights, Malibu. The in-crowd at his posh new high school is surprisingly friendly. Soon, Jason's hitting all the best parties. He even meets the token hot but unattainable girl, and this is my hashtag tenuous link, the party. Determined to enjoy his almost postcard-perfect new life, Jason tries hard to ignore the many strange things going down in Devere Heights. But then, a girl washes up dead the morning after one off-the-hook party, and with no explanation but a suspicious-looking bite mark. Now, Jason has to admit that what you don't want to know can hurt you. There's just dangerous parties all over the place. It sounds ridiculous, but like in a fun Yes, way. a lot of the reviews that I read of this one are like, it's a totally fun beach read. It's exactly what it says. Like, it's just light and fluffy, but also vampires and murder. Yes, yes. There is no messing about. No, but there's exactly like want to want to five or six of them. There's a lot of them. Oh, dear me. Do we have any spotlights this week? We do, and I don't know that there are any hashtag tenuous links with this one. Um, but I thought it sounded really good, and I wanted to share it because it sounds oh. really good. It's called The Shadow Sister by Lily Mead, and it comes out in June. So you got a little bit of time to pre-order this one. Sutton going missing is the worst thing to happen to Casey. To their family. She's trying to help find her sister, but Casey is furious, and she can't tell anyone about their argument before Sutton disappeared. Everyone paints a picture of Sutton's perfection, the popular cheerleader with an entourage of friends, a doting boyfriend, and a limitless future. But Sutton manipulated everyone around her, ooh, hashtag tenuous link, even stole an heirloom bracelet from Casey. People don't look for missing black girls or half-black girls without believing there is an angel to be saved. When Sutton reappears, Casey knows that she should be relieved, except Sutton isn't the same. She remembers nothing about while she was gone or anything from her old life, including how she made Casey miserable. There's something unsettling about the way she wants to spend time with Casey, the way she hums and watches her goldfish swim for hours. What happened to Sutton? The more Casey starts uncovering her sister's secrets, the more questions she has. Did she really know her sister? Why is no one talking about the other girls who have gone missing in the area? And what will it take to uncover the truth? The the goldfish line won me over. I thought it might have. 
Minus the goldfish line, which seems out of place, so I hope that it's really actually very important to the story. That's, it sounds really, really good. Oh, it does. It really does. It sounds really good, but I'm, the, line, the goldfish hooked me. I hope... <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I hope that it's really important. It better I be. hope that it is. I hope that it wasn't... Might, it, should be, it might be an actual goldfish yeah. as well. I hope that wasn't just a throwaway line. Okay. We're really good at it. Toss it back. That's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. For the love of fuck, we have to stop with fish puns. I'm Amanda. Uh, and I'm Claire. Join us next time as we start a new monthly theme. Ooh. Cheesy Horror Month. Hooray! And we're going to start this month out by discussing Horror Hotel by Victoria Fulton and Faith McLaren. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.